Taking sports to another level. Welcome to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Exploring the latest headlines and going behind the scenes with in-depth interviews. Hearing personal stories and the impact of sports in their lives. Here's your host, Richmond Weaver. What time is it? It is Welcome, everyone. This is Rich Take on Sports, and welcome to episode number six, a bonus episode this week. I am your host, Richmond Weaver, and glad you're listening through whatever format that might be. And thanks for being an investor by investing your time to listen. Now, as most of you know, our format is to typically release episodes each week on Friday. However, there are times when we'll release additional or bonus episodes because we feel the content is just too rich to wait, and that's really what's happening this week. So it makes sense to release two episodes this week, and we have a fantastic interview in this episode with former Oakland Raider and Super Bowl champ with the Baltimore Ravens in Super Bowl 35, and that's James Trapp. And his story is just too good to wait and something you don't want to miss. Now, in order for you to stay current and not miss any future episodes, you can subscribe via iTunes, Google Play. You can also find episodes on Stitcher, and all of this can easily be found on our website, richtakeonsports.com. Also, you know, the biggest compliment you can provide is by sharing this podcast with others and then also providing feedback on iTunes by rating and reviewing. Now, you can also connect via Twitter. You can follow me at Rich Take Sports. You can even email me, Richmond at richtakeonsports.com, because I really do value any uh, and all feedback. But for this episode, let's focus on our guest in the Rich Spotlight. Shining brightly to share the stories of people in sports. This is the Rich Spotlight. This week in the Rich Spotlight, our guest is James Trapp, most notably known now as Minister James Trapp, if you follow him on Twitter, as his life has unfolded into serving others. James's story is one of how talent can take you far greater than you can ever imagine through God-given athletic ability, but also the destruction that can occur when you become so self-absorbed in yourself. James was a standout cornerback at Clemson University and was selected in the third round of the NFL draft by the Oakland Raiders. And he was also a world-class sprinter and two-sport athlete at Clemson from 1989 to 1993, where in 1992, he was the 200-meter indoor NCAA champion and won two gold medals in international competitions and was selected as an alternate for the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona. But make no mistake about it, though, James was not a track guy playing football. He was a football player that just happened to run track, ultimately playing 11 years in the NFL and reached the pinnacle with the Baltimore Ravens by winning Super Bowl 35 in 2000. And you'll understand what I mean after hearing his story. Now, here's James Trapp. All right, James, thanks so much for joining me today. I greatly appreciate your time in the rich spotlight and exploring your journey, sir. Well, Rich, uh, thank you for having me today. And uh, I know we're going to have a a good time talking about your journey and the impact of sports in your life. So let's let's go back to the beginning. Uh, You know, everybody has a start and try to remember back to your earliest memories of sports and why you gravitated towards sports. Uh, Man, I started here in Greenville, which was crazy. But, you know, it was Little League football and um, 
You know, I gotta give a shout out to Sam Weiss. The store, they gave me my first football cleats. It's awesome, it was spot belts, I'll never forget. Um, and I was fast with them, you know, cause I was, I was fast with those broke down all-stars. But yeah. <laughs> I was fast with those cleats. Um, but you know, football was a part of my life coming up cause my uncles played, you know, my mom's brothers played, but still it was more, more so a getaway. You know, you get away from, you know, all the, the life that you're living, you know, okay. life wasn't as, as glamorous as it is today for me, but you know, you coming up in those streets, you know, um, sports is a lot, it's like, uh, it's like a getaway. You know, then once you become, you know, people start recognizing that you're pretty good at it, you know, now you're cocky with it. Okay. <laughs> you know, so like, oh, yeah, I'm the best, so, you know, you want that affirmation there and you, you know, and you get it, you know, it's like a drug. Um, you don't look back. And so how old were you when you started playing football in that little league? Was it was seven, like eight, eight years old? Yeah, eight, nine years old. I believe it was eight or nine when okay. I really started um, grasping, playing um, those sports and stuff. So, And was football the only sport that you played or did you? No, nah, I, mean, I was a kid, you know, I grew up playing three and four sports. You know, we played stickball, um, you know, basketball with no nets. Those days, you know, you you, you kind of hey, it was neighborhoods against neighborhoods. You know, it was just fun. You know, it wasn't it wasn't organized per se. Football was organized. Yeah, baseball I played was organized. But okay, everything else was pretty much, you know, every day after school, summertime, every day, all day. You know, we we were probably malnourished because we didn't stop to eat much. <laughs> we drank out of the faucet, out of the side of the house, or out of the creek. But yeah. still, it was, you know, those days, you know, you, you know you. I wouldn't give them up for nothing. Now, so did you feel you had a love for football? You felt you gravitated towards that sport more than any others? I gravitated towards football more than any others. One reason, because it was so physical. You know, you could really get out your anger. <laughs> you yeah. Really, you know, get it out by you running somebody over or pounding okay. somebody in the ground. Um, you know, as a little kid, it's like fun, you know, go get the band with the ball, you know, you can bring them down now. Uh, so it was fun, you know, you know, it was fun. It, it was, you know, a way of, of, you know, expressing a lot of uh, adrenaline, really enjoyed football more so. Baseball was slow, um, slow moving. You're playing in center field, you can almost pick daisies because who can really hit it that far out there? Most times they can't. You know, it was just real boring. Basketball. Too many guys, too many fouls. You couldn't be as physical in basketball. <laughs> I could jump out of the gym, couldn't dribble or shoot, but yeah. hey, I could foul you hard. Yeah. So I kind of gravitated towards football naturally because of the um, ability to be, you know, who I really want to be. Yeah. Tough guy. Tough guy. Tough guy playing tough sport. And then now you move from South Carolina. Yeah, I moved go out, out of here. Um, you know, my grandmother, you know, I was some peculiar situations going okay. on there. My grandmother said, you know, it's time for you to live with your mom. My mom in Texas for a year and a half. You know, she was in the military. She was um, later stationed to Fort Sill, which is the third largest military installation in America. Wow. Right in the free nation. So we moved to Fort Sill, and that's where I finished up, you know, um, junior high, seven through nine, or high school, 10 through 12. Um, but yeah, and, you know, when I got there, it was, it was really all sports. You know, everything was sports. Because you live on a military base first two years, you're like, I want to get off this base. Yeah. So, you, you know, you stay out of school, play sports. You know, I played all the sports. From Texas, then? From Texas, Texas, Oklahoma, yeah. Yep. Yeah, Texas, you know, was a fill, fill in, you know, really because I just started back living with my mom. She was re remarried. You know, stepdad was a great dude. He was a boxer, so he got me in the box. Ooh, wow. Which was tough, you know, because you had to get up on his hours. It was good. Learn, I learned a lot of discipline from, from, um, 
from uh, from Wilson. And, and um, you know, I really, I like boxing. But then, you know, of course, when we moved to Oklahoma, they split, you know, and it was just me, my mom, my sister. And did you like boxing because of, again, the physical Dad aspect of it? it? Oh, you were? Okay. <laughs> that always <laughs> I a, helps. I was a natural born fighter now. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you grow up in Nickel Town, you're going to fight. You just you have to have gloves on. You have yeah. rules. You can't kick. But you fight. <laughs> you know, so, That's right. You had to use all hands, no feet. But I tell you, it was... uh. It was good. You know, I got to Fort Hood. I'm, Fort Hood was in Texas. It was good kind of fill out trying to live in a new environment, you know, transitioning into it. I ran track, and then I, that next year, I played a little bit of football. I really wasn't interested as much because I was trying to fill myself out. And then when we moved to Oklahoma, it was different. You know, um, started playing football. Really, um, I was quarterback, the option quarterback, option team. So I ran yeah. the ball more than I threw it. I can only throw it about 20 yards, but I can run the heck out of it. <laughs> you know, so I was that greedy yeah. quarterback for a while. And, and um, you know, eighth, ninth grade really uh, enjoyed it. And I enjoyed offense because of the glitz and the glamour of it. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, started getting recognized for my speed. And I was kind of rangy. I wasn't, I wasn't a big kid, but I was like, Slender, kind of, very strong for my for my size. So the coaches were like, man, this kid's, you know, he's a pretty good athlete. Basically, in Oklahoma, at that time, kids that lived on like a quarter entry of the base in the whole city of Lawton went to Lawton High School. And then there was another high school that was MacArthur High School at the time. So it was Lawton, Mac, and then Lawton High, and then this other high school. That's like South Carolina and Clemson. You mentioned it, you know, but... <laughs> Uh, so I ended up having to go to the other high school, but okay. because of some fortunate situations in our environment, uh, myself and uh, Will Shields, who's now the Hall of Famer, uh, NFL Hall of Famer, Will Shields, I, myself, DeWell Brewer, and uh, uh, Greg Burke, Kelly Stinnett, who also played in Major League yeah. Baseball. I mean, we had, we had some of the best coaches. You know, I, I'm really thankful um a large part of our coaching staff, well, our entire coaching staff is still alive. You know, right. uh, Coach Oslake was our head coach in uh, high school. Um, hell of a man. Really uh, put it down towards, like, you know, you're not going to play on my team unless you want to go to college. It was like, no, nah, you're not playing if you don't want to go to the next level. And, uh, you know, he kind of was like a, a coach, father figure. And his yeah. whole staff was, you know, like Coach Colbert. Some great um, mentors, it sounds oh, like. Oh, yeah. Coach Horn, Coach Maddox, Coach Hunt. Coach Hunt still calls me. They all call me to this day, and I had a chance to go back to Oklahoma. I actually had to do a FCA event out there, which okay. was awesome. Great. You know, I got to speak for them in front of them and, and really just, like, you know, you, you get, you know, coaches, they don't get a lot of credit, yeah. I don't think, but, man, they, they do so much. You know, they provide things you don't, you know, you need a pair of socks, you know, you, you need to tie a tie and start to stop wearing that clip on, son. You know, what I mean? <laughs> you know they try to teach you these things. Um, I tell you, it was awesome um, just being there. And you know, my high school has been really good. They actually got four of the gold balls at the Super Bowl that was putting out the NFL, and we had four athletes. Um, Mike Menon was an athlete that went to went to my school. Had great high school. Um, um, years. It was truly, it was truly high school. You had your jocks and your smart Good. people, and you know I fit yep. in with both because you know I was a nerd too. <laughs> you were okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I hit my books hard. Um, Good for you. I enjoyed reading. So that's the one thing I can tell you, young kids. You know, if you listen, hopefully, if your parents listen, tell your kids yes. just read. That's you right. Know, make your children read, and they'll be all right in school. Yeah. You know, I know that. You know, it, it happens to this day. You know, I made my children read, doing well in school, and so you know. That's one of the things I was able to kind of float when I was in high school. I yep. get every group the, the, 
the pop rock group, the R&B, hard yeah. hip hop group. Couldn't really dance, so I can hit okay. all the groups, you know. I was just the, the, the jock. Yes, exactly. You know, that had some brains. That's Everybody's right. Like, oh, yeah, he can fit in with everybody. But, oh. So yeah. when was it in high school that you came to the realization that, you know what, I'm pretty good at football? I knew before high school. Oh, you did? Okay, yeah, so when yeah. did you? I knew in junior high. When I was in ninth did. grade and I was okay. playing quarterback, then when they started recruiting you, like, okay. like, oh, you're supposed to go to this school, but then this school is recruiting, this school is recruiting you. Wow, then you got the private schools coming in trying to recruit you. I see. Like, there must be something to this thing. And um, I knew my speed was different, and that made a big difference. I yeah. could stop on a dime and literally let guys come at me and run all the way to the other side of the field and run up the sidelines. Okay. You know, when you let, you know, kickoff uh, returns, you let the ball hit the ground and wait for guys to <laughs> get close, pick you up. So you know you're different. You know, exactly. You know, I would say so. You don't know how different you are, but yeah. you know you're a little better than, you know, average guys you're playing against. You know, just when I got to high school, um, you know, I got on a team with guys, you know, like Dwell Brewer, who was the okay. Big 8 freshman of the year. He also blew his knee out, came back, was a Big 8 comeback player of the year, ended up getting um, drafted into the NFL. So you okay. look at guys like like that, you're like, oh, wow. Now you find yourself almost equal to these guys. Yeah. And then you then when you separate from that group, now you're like, wow. So I separated speed-wise from, from those guys. I was like, I must be something really good. So, you know, right. you braggadocious. <laughs> you know, I, I look at people, you know, they say, well, you know, when did you find the Lord? I found the Lord, you know, when I was in the pros. But <clears throat> the thing that that always drove me in life was the fact, you know, that that old cartoon, or uh, you know, where it said mirror, mirror on the wall. Yeah. Who's the fairest of them all? Oh. Well, I didn't, I didn't care if the mirror talked back. I knew uh, I was the fairest I of them see. all. You know, so I was real arrogant and cocky and, you know, I had my own self-righteousness about myself. Okay. You know, one thing that I, uh, that drove me was me. I'm the biggest competition that I have. Um, downside of that is when the competition's over with, you know, who are you looking at now? That's right. You know, thank, thank the Lord I got God. Okay. You know, I got Jesus in my life now. But, you know, then it was just me. I always trying to outdo me. Yeah. You know, I never found myself in a situation where um, I blamed anybody or it was their fault. Yeah. You know, whatever I did was on me. You. Because I knew me. Okay. I thought I knew me more better than anybody else. So. Yeah. So now, how what was that recruiting process like for college when oh, man. you know all the schools start <laughs> now they're coming after you and then you oh. ultimately decide on Clemson? But walk us through that journey. I tell you that recruiting process was something because my mom was in Germany. You know, uh, my mom she was stationed in Germany. Yeah, because I decided you know, I was like, look, it's time for me. To, you know, I got a chance to get a scholarship, these different things. So I kind of lived on my own um, the latter part of my junior year and all of my senior. Year. So she was kind of. In Germany, you know, I had, it was crazy because I had coaches, we can get your mom stationed back in the States. Oh, my permanent, goodness. Permanent. Yeah. I was like, you know, my mom was like, I'm not a part of that. You know, he'll make a good decision. If he needs me, he'll, you know, reach out. And I did. I, I talked to her, weighed things out with okay. her and stuff. And my older sister, um, my older sister is like my twin. Um, so we would just talk about everything. That process was was something. I seen a lot of things. I seen a lot of things. <laughs> in those days, you know, the era of the, you know, the yes. Miami, you know, and the Notre Dames and the Florida States and the Nebraskas, you know. I've seen a lot of different ways of recruits. You know, recruiting was uh, different then. You know, I'm sure they got their own twist on it now, but boy, I saw a lot of things. And you can only go to five schools officially. And then when you only have to, you don't really need 
any hours of credits to graduate, you just in school. I was in school working in the front office and I took a couple classes just so I could play my senior year. I didn't oh, really need the, uh, okay. the credits to graduate. I was already graduated. Graduated, yeah. So you now you got that extra time. Oh, how about you know you come down and see a Texas yeah, game? You know, exactly. Like, oh, really? Yeah, coach, <laughs> coach, you want to go see a Texas game? <laughs> you know, so now you, you know, you down in, uh, in Austin watching Longhorns play when you really supposed to be in, in school. school. <laughs> you know? That's right. But, um, you know, it was good. You know, that was that was good. I had fun. I had fun. I was uh, highly recruited. Could have went to any school in the nation. Um, had a lot of academic scholarships. That was really, you know, I could have went to any school. Okay. Likewise, in the nation, academically. Um, you know, so it was exciting, man. It was exciting. Uh, at the end of the day, I knew going into my senior year, we had all talked about it. We were either going to go to Oklahoma if Coach Switzer was there. And then a couple guys said, well, they like they like Tom Osborne. Because we went to those camps. We went to Texas, Oklahoma, and, and um, Nebraska, Nebraska camps every year. Yeah, okay. And hands down, coach like, you're going. You don't want to hear about it. This is where you're going. Okay. You know, and, and then we come back. And then we, you know, you're not supposed to be having practice in football all yeah. summer. Well, you know what? It's Oklahoma football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro, do this little job over here, and we're gonna we're gonna sit in the stands while y'all practice. But you know, it yeah. was crazy. So you know, guys was like, "Okay, this is a deal." And then Coach Wilson came in, and he was like, "He was like, sons, he was like, he was like, man, I don't know if I'm gonna make it." Oh my goodness! <laughs> I was like, everybody that came out of Law and High pretty much went over on, you know, and so he was straight up with it. And I told him straight up that day, I said, you know, I'm, I want to play for Coach Ford if I can't play for you. The only reason I was really, I wanted to play for Coach Ford, but I was young too, and I didn't want to really separate from the pack. From the pack, the yes. Way. So we always going to go to OU, and then we all going to go to OU. I understand. But I was kind of happy okay. in a way, because then, you know, I called Coach Ford. I had to write Coach Ford a letter, man, to let him know I was from Greenville, because he was like, I'm not wasting my resources to come out there and recruit a kid. Does not go to OU or Nebraska or Texas? And, um, so he did. He sent Coach West out there, Tommy West. Coach West and them crystal blue eyes. They're like Superman, look right through. <laughs> you know, but a heck of a recruiter, man. And um, I did my visit. His visit was Clemson. And I told Coach and him, I said, man, I can't, I, I can commit to you. I said, I can't be public until the signing day. On signing day, you know, everybody did their thing. And Coach West stood in the back and everybody else, Coach Proctor and all them other guys were there from OU and they looking at him like, why are you? Which one of these kids going with that? <laughs> they knew. You know, you have to know that they knew. Man, yeah. man, I tell you what, when I signed with Oklahoma, I mean signed with Clemson, boy, it was they had an order and trader, trader in the paper and all that stuff. Oh my goodness. My girlfriend at the time got lost her job. It was crazy. Now when you got to Clemson, <laughs> You know, you end up running track at Clemson also. Yeah. So was that an important part of, no. you know, was that I just. i what happened. You know, yeah, how'd that come about? And, and, in high school, I was undefeated. And, you know, like I say, I was wild. You know, I'd go okay. to high school races drunk. You know, I was a different, I was different than everyone. And so I could just beat them. It was easy. You know, it was easy for me. When I got to Clemson, I had no, I didn't want no intentions of running track. And uh, in my freshman year, like I said, I couldn't start. Couldn't get on the field, you know. They wouldn't redshirt me, okay. and they wouldn't play me because these guys are just better, you know. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I was like, man, I was frustrated, so I went out to the track. I was like, man, I got to do something. Or I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave. But I had a, my all my smartness went. I went stupid when I got it. <laughs> <laughs> my first semester, I had a one point three three. Oh my goodness! And so they was like, yeah, go ahead and leave. You ain't going nowhere with that. So um, <clears throat> I went out to the track. 
And, you know, I started jogging around the track and Coach um, Coach Pollock was there and Coach Block was my uh, sprints coach. And they looked at me and, they were, and Coach Block was like, hey, are you that trap kid? And I was like, yeah, I'm James Trap. He was like, you don't look like him. Because I had gained some weight from the weight program here. And I was like, yeah, well, kind of looked at him like, what do you mean? You know, I'm still the fast dude. On, I know I'm the, the fast track. dude on this team. All your track boys, I can beat them all. You know, just cocky as heck. And um, I got out there and started training just a little bit. I ended up, I ran 10, 12 out there on that track. And um, I was like, man, y'all need a new track. <laughs> it was bad. Is that right? The track was horrible. And okay. um, Coach Potter looked at me like, what is this loudmouth kid? You know, yeah. and Coach Block was like, you know, that's that kid trapped from Oklahoma. He's undefeated in the 400, 200, you know, four by one, four by four. He can run. He's like, and Coach, like, you know, we got a chance to. You know, cause cause four like you can go, make sure you at spring ball. You know, so it was like, <clears throat> he said we got a chance to get a guy on the track team. Don't have to put no scholarship money in. You know, so then when I went out, Larry Rhymes was here, and Larry Rhymes was the golden boy. He was the keeper's golden boy for the hurdles. You know, like he was ranked. Yeah, he was yeah. number one in the land coming out of high school, out of Greenwood, South Carolina. And um, so he came out. Doug Thomas was out there. Uh, Charlie James came out. Yeah. All the football guys. Derek Witherspoon, we all went out to the track. Okay. Like, man, we ain't getting to play. We was out on the track, man. And um, that's how I started running track at uh, at Clemson. I was frustrated with football. You know, if, if I wasn't frustrated with football, I would have never ran track. I got you. I had no intentions of it. I only ran it in high school because our coach made us. You know, Coach Hosslager controlled all the sports. If you play for me, you're either going to play baseball, run track, you're going to do a wrestle. Yeah. He let some guys wrestle. Guys that were underweight like myself, I'd wrestle for half a season. He's like, no, nah, you losing too much weight. Go run track or go play baseball. So I went ran track. But he controlled it. He's like, y'all not going home. You know, that's the kind of coach he was. I hope we find coaches like that in this in this world today that can work together because now, you know, you got a lot of coaches that don't like each other. Because uh, Oscillator was like, nah, I'm, some of our best athletes are football players, so they going to play every sport. And we did. So now when you're at Clemson and you're not starting – but then you eventually become a starter. Mm -hmm. uh, but then was there also a moment that you realized that, okay, I want to now take it to the next level. I want to play in the NFL. Well, I, I, I came in and I started seeing guys going to the league, you know, because in Oklahoma, we didn't have, we didn't, you know, you didn't really watch football. You watch Oklahoma football, Oklahoma high school football. You know, when I was in South Carolina, my favorite team to this day is the Steelers. I love the Steelers. I'm still a fan. My goodness. I can say that loud. Okay. You know? <laughs> I didn't like them when I played them, oh, but yeah. I love them. You know, I always root for them. Yeah, that's hard. That's um, got to be hard to say is you played for the Ravens. I played for the Ravens. <laughs> that's why I used to beat them up every, every, twice a year. I should look forward to those games. Right. Check mark. I don't care if I was broke. I'm playing against that game. But um, the deal was when I was here at yeah, Clemson is – Running track gave me so much success in running overseas, you know, because I traveled. You know, as a freshman, I ran, I ran overseas, be back in class, you know, it was mm -hmm. really good. Gave me so much success that I was like, man, I'm really good. Then I, I was top five in the world, not nation, but I was top five in the world every year in track. So I was like, dang, this dude really is good. And then when I got back to football, I started seeing guys going to the league, and they talking about getting ready for the league, and I'm looking at them and looking at me like, yeah, okay, whatever. I'm better than that. My standards are here. So I already knew I was, I could go to the NFL. And, you know, I just kept getting my books and getting all kind of accolades, man. It was just crazy. And then I think it was my, uh, in 92, it was my senior year, you know, I went out on a limb. Because after the 91 season, we had 
um, came out the bowl, off the bowl game, Coach Block was like, you know, you serious about, you know, being this athlete. And he said, in order for you to make the Olympics, you're going to need to do these things. You know, um, I was like, yeah, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Because he was like, he said, he said, today you've been doing college workouts. And, and it's shown. You, you've been really good. But every time you go up against the pros, they're just beating you. So you overseas, and I'm blowing these guys out when we over here. But when you get overseas, I can't even touch them. Like, you know, this dude is that much faster than me? Okay. And Coach was like, no, nah, the training is different. He's like, you have to train, and you got to start, you know, looking at your, your nutrition. So I had to weigh that. And I was like, man, you know, it's hard for me to maintain weight anyway. Because, I, like I said, I was ranging. That's right. And um, and he was like, yo, let's take all the meats out. I'll let you eat fish. Just eating fish and vegetables and all that stuff from January. And then I started seeing my times, like, not just improve, but I started, you know, blowing them out. I went from, like, a running a 6.2 and a 55 to running a 6.1. Oh, you know, wow. 6.14. I was like, dang, that's, that's a big difference. Yeah. It was all the way. I was explosive. Okay. And, you know, I was what, 2.8% body fat. I weighed 185 pounds. I had lost like 10 pounds. I couldn't get sick. I got sick, I was done. But, <laughs> you know, that year I won nationals, indoor, outdoor. I mean, it was crazy. And and so making the Olympic team was like, wow, you, you, you're an Olympian, you know? So I was like, because I made the world championship teams in, in 91. So it was like, I made the summer team and the indoor team. So it was like, oh, you know, that's a given, but you're an Olympian. So coming off the Olympics, coming back to college, you know, it was my last year of football. I was like, man, there's nothing that can stop me. So then I just honed in and started working on my skills a little bit. I took up drumming in the first three weeks. Uh, Herman Moore, the Virginia game, okay. three touchdowns back. Like, man, am I really out here? <laughs> you were on that <laughs> island, huh? Wow, that's me. Yeah, yeah, that's you. We came back and won that game. Uh, I think Larry caught the game-winning touchdown. But I tell you, man, it was something, man, just kind of saying, you know, I am this good to do this. And just, you know, just kept kept pushing and not really looking in rear view too much, but looking For sure. forward. And, you know, so did you have to make a decision one way or the other? I'm going to try to focus on this NFL career or be an Olympian. I had to do that at the end. When I, when I was booted off the team, okay. <laughs> coach Jaffield had enough of me. Um, <laughs> you know, we had an altercation on the plane. 36 pounds piece, you want to fight with your coach. Billy Andre, I love Billy D to this day. He was on our side, so respect to Coach Hatfield. He booted me off the team. They was like, you just got to apologize to come back. I was like, I'm not doing that. You know, like, once again, he, he doesn't matter to me. I matter to him. Yeah, I see. You know, so I was uh, sitting there contemplating, and I had a deal on the table with Adidas. Adidas was like, hey, we want to sign you to a four-year deal. And I was thinking about that, talking to my track agent. I was like, man, I don't know, Ray, should we do this? Should we do that? And then he's like, what about football? Ray was like, football, you know, you ever thought about that? He's like, if you do this track like this, you can't play football. And I was like, okay. So I ended up running and running. And then um, when the draft came, I was eligible for the draft, of course. Mm -hmm. And they put me in. They put me in to come to the combine. Because okay. I didn't get an official letter. Is that right? Everybody else got their letters and all that stuff. They put me in to come to the combines, and I knew why. They put me in because of the speed. They want they want yeah. somebody fast. They want a fast time. Right. And I did. I ran a fast time. Okay. But I also surprised them because I did all the drills. Now, I didn't really train because I was running. Sorry. I was running track. I told Adidas I was you know on the, on the back end of a contract, and I was like, I'm going to run it out, and then y'all have to resign me. You know, I had to make a decision. Either go pro in football or go, uh, you know, pro in track. And um, 
And so here I was just, you know, at this combines and like really showing out. Like I was 114th rated when I went in there. When I left, I was ranked 12th, you know? So everybody was like, dang, man, that kid really is pretty athletic. And then I got drafted, um, you know, in, in April, I got drafted 72nd overall. Um, and so I had a decision to make. Yeah. You know, I went out to the to L.A. and I told Adidas, I was like, I ran, because I, I was under contract, so I ran through my contract with Adidas to 96, okay. um, which was my, what, fourth year in the league. I was still running professionally as a track guy. Okay. But just not as much emphasis. But um, the Raiders drafted me, and when I got out there, I had uh, I had mentors out the bat. I ain't listening to not one of them. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, I don't know if you remember Chester McLaughlin. Oh, yes. That was my best friend. And I'll tell you a story about Chet. Chet and I got in a fight. Our, my freshman year, his redshirt freshman year. Now, he 350. I was, I was about to say, that's I not a good 60, <laughs> 63. situation. But I was a fighter now. And uh, so we got in a fight at this party. I hit that guy twice. Boom, boom, he ain't fade. He ain't move. He grabbed me by my throat, slammed me around. He broke Robert O'Neill's car, actually. Broke, broke his door with my body. Boom, slammed me up against the car so hard. He's getting ready to punch me, and I was like, Jeff, please don't hit me. You're breaking my please don't hit me. He ain't hit me. Uh, and then the cops came. Our cops will tell you that story, man. My. That, was a, that was a treat, uh, me and Chet. But I got to the Raiders, and um, you know Chet was there the year before me. He got drafted first yeah. round there. And you know I lived with Chet. Okay. You know, I got there. And it was on. And then I told Ray, uh, my agent. I that's when I told him I was like, man, I'm really gonna run this contract out and track. I'm not gonna try to compete for 95 World Championship. Okay. I'm not gonna try to compete for the Olympics. Um, you know, cause then I ran the NFL's fastest man twice, 95, 96. So, like I said at Clemson, I would have never ran track if I was started football. Okay. You know, so Amazing. that was my story there, but. You know, it was good, man. It was, you know, it was good because I, I developed some, some um, characteristics about myself over my life. I'm 48 years old, you're yeah. still trying to reshape, but you're always, you know, as long as you live, you should be learning. And, um, you know, but those are the things that helped me get to where I was. That mentality that I had, that, you know, drive that I had helped me get to a lot of success athletically, academically, you know, um, even in business. Um, it helped me get to, you know, the stages that, that I hit. You know, and I'm thankful for them because now I'm able to share those things with my children and pretty much, you know, young people. My children have a lot of friends and I'm always, you know, the thing I always try to remember in my house, um, I want my house to be the party house. Come to my house because yeah. then I'll know what my children are and who they're hanging around That's with. That's right. And, you know, if I can drop some seed into their ears, I'm going to definitely do that. Okay. And I pretty much treat young people like that. Because to me, like I tell them all, I said, you're so important to me. And they were like, why? I said, because, you know, you can help pay for Social Security. You know? <laughs> <laughs> got to get you to work. Right. <laughs> you know, I said, no, you're important to me because I look at it like I want my children to be raised in a society where they have uh, um, um, peers that have a thought process that's about taking care of business, not just, you know, fluff and puff. Got it. Really taking care of business. So that's why I take interest in young people, trying okay. to help them get jobs, trying to help them, you know, get some advice, encouraging them always. Hey, don't yeah. get down. Just keep knocking the doors. You know, I got a couple of them right now. They text me all the time. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm trying to get in here. And if I know someone at that place or in that business, I call. Yo, hey, this young person right here, I know them. They're good. They're hardworking. They got, and it has never failed. 
you know, because I'm not going to put my name on you if I ain't spent some time with you. But, you know, I really try to do that to help these young people, you know, get in the door. And, and, ch and that's how we're going to change society. It's by showing love to these young people and showing them that, you know, we do need them. We care about them. That's right. They are the ones that's going to be making decisions for us when we really start losing our minds. Yeah. You know, um, so that's important to me. So when you look back and now that you're doing these type of things and helping these young kids out and stuff, you're able to get there through your athletic ability, yeah. basically. So yeah. what, what's the, what do you feel the impact of sports has been in your life? Man, man, I can tell you this right now. I was on a plane with Tony Dungy. And first thing he said was, that's a nice ring. Now tell me the story, you know? And, you know, because he had his too. And then I said, well, the story was this, you know, that, that Baltimore championship team, and we had 53-man roster, you know, but we had couple study. And we're showing up, you know, 20, 22 couples showing up every Thursday night for wow. ministry. Okay. You know, we had a quarterback in Trent Dilford that was on the sideline praying out loud, walking up and down the sideline, yeah. you know, you know, in the name of Jesus. We had Peter Bowyer that was calling Jesus' name out. You know, I mean, yeah. we, we, you know, we had, you know, Ray was coming. He had come through his his thing. Yeah. I mean, we had Rob Woodson on the team. I mean, you know, we had Harry Schwinn. We had guys on the team that was praying. I said, man, that's what, that's, this is what that Super Bowl was about. Okay. I said, you know, when we were down, we were never out. You know, we always had our David story. You know, we always, I mean, we did chapel. I mean, we had our great, Dr. Harrison was our chapel. And, and, and he, shoot, he let some guys do chapel because we were so in tune with each other, ministry-wise. We were so in tune with each other and our families, you know. When a guy was, you know, not doing so well, it was like a vibe. You could feel it. I said, that's what I was about. And then Tony was like, that's what I need to hear. He said, because we all get those rains and we'll talk about that, that rain, but then we'll talk about how we really, you know, connected to get that rain. No you doubt. know, and, and you look at this, that, that Super Bowl year, man, for that 2000 Super Bowl, we went, we went five weeks, we didn't score offense touchdown. We had Stover in the defense, you know, and Trent was like, hey, I ain't put y'all in the bad spot. And he never did. <laughs> that's right. He's like, if we inside the 30, Stover's instant. That's, that's He's instant, good. That's instant points. We'll yeah. take those points. I'm not going to throw a pick. I'm not going to fumble the ball. You know, we had Jamal Lewis running the ball. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy how we were tried through that through that year. And we went in, we went into the uh, playoffs 10 to 6. You know, and we came out winning the thing. Winning, you know, we got in the dance, the ugly girl got in the dance, and she danced all the way to the ground. All crown. the way, that's right. I mean, but you know, that's that's the thing that that um that drives me when I'm able to be introduced into an environment, you know, as an athlete. Oh yeah, he's a Super Bowl, he's a gold medalist, he's da 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 da. And everybody say, okay, now what he's gonna talk about? You know, I'm gonna talk about yeah some of some of the trials of my life, but I'm gonna tell you about the the blessings of my life, the encouragement that I'm trying to give you today. That you know you can dream it, yeah, you can get it, but you don't have to work. You know, you gotta push right. through a lot. You gotta push through a, yourself sometimes. You gotta push through others. You gotta push, you know, in order to get it. You can't just you know you know hope that it's gonna be there and you go to sleep and it's there. You know what I'm saying? That's Ain't no right. fairy tale. You know, you got to work for it. You know, so that's the thing that I um. And I use the, the platform of what Lord has given me. You know, hey, you've done all these things, you accomplished in all these areas, but you know, really, what are you going to talk about? Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, I'm really going to talk about the success of being in a, on a good team, a good family. And then I'm talking about the kingdom. I'm okay. talking about yeah. Jesus. I'm talking about, you know, it is He who sacrificed all for us. So made it possible. You know, and I'm just going to help guys try to understand that as best they can, right where they are. You know, and I try to go in them Bible thump them, you know. In 99, I made that transition, and that transition was 
it was amazing in his own right. Okay. You know, because I was at the end of my Raider days. Okay. I had a three year three year uh deal, third year op it was a two year deal, three year option, however you want to say it. But I had the right to buy my option year with incentives. And so I went from being a starter, which was horrible. I, 98 season was a horrible season because you go from, you know, you know, <laughs> being alternate for the Pro Bowl, just like, boom, you you know, you on the bench. And, um, you know, so you go from that, and then I ended up having just enough to, to incentives to buy my option year. So I was a free agent in 99. And my agent told me, he was like, you got to leave the Raiders. He's like, if you don't leave the Raiders, you're going to get a couple more years, and you're done. You know, he said, it's hard. He told me, he said, James, it's hard to be your agent. I was like, wow. Now, this is before Christ now. So it was like, yeah. He said, I got one team entry, and that's, that's Ozzy. And he didn't even say the Ravens. He said, Ozzy. <laughs> and um, Ozzy got me on the phone, and Ozzy was like, yeah. he's like, Trap, now you're going to have to sign this, this um, you know, at, it's like an amendment to the deal. If you do this, you do this, you do this, you don't get nothing. You're out of here. And, um, and I come to find out it was Coach Schaefer who really wanted me there. Now, Coach Schaefer coached me in 97, the year I was having my best year, but yeah. I was the biggest butt of yeah. all yeah. that year, to the point that I told him, I said, I'll fire you before you fire me, you know? And, and it was bad. And so he left. <laughs> he was like, man, this, it, that kid, something wrong with him. <laughs> but it was him who stood on the table for me to get to Baltimore. And there, he came to me, he says, now this is my shit. He says, if you do anything, you out of here. And I was I found myself in a in a tight spot, but I also found myself again sitting in front of that mirror looking at me. And it wasn't a pretty picture. Okay. You know, it was a horrible picture. You know, on the, on the outside you got a contract trappings look good, but the, the main course was miserable. Got it. You know, um I was about to lose my wife and my family. You know, because I was just, you know, she was tired of me and I thought I was tired of them. Okay. You know, but I sat there that night. Um, Rich and I just looked at a TV. It was a TV that was not on. Okay. Much like that screen right there, and I can see yeah. myself, myself. I can see an image of myself. And I sat there, and I'll never forget. Rod Woods was my roommate, and uh, he came in because we had Wednesday nights off. And he was like, uh, he was like, Trapper, you getting ready? To, you know, go hang, go hang out with the fellas. I was like, Nah, man, I'm gonna sit right here. He's like, Well, I'm going to see Nikki, his wife. He's like, I'm going to see his wife. She had drove down from Pittsburgh to training camp. Um, and so here I'm sitting there looking at this blank screen, looking at me, and I'm sitting there, Rich, and it's getting dark. And I'm sitting there, and now it's, it's night, late at night. And um, I found myself, you know, being having the opportunity to, you know, Lord, to reflect on my life. You know, all the people that I was hurting, yeah, I had hurt, all the people I had done wrong, you know, and the biggest person that was hurting was me, you know? And I just broke down, man. And I'm not a crier, you know. Okay. And I broke down and started crying, and and uh, I called the chaplain up. Okay. Called him on the phone. Yeah. It was about two in the morning. I called him up. He didn't say who is this. He didn't say you know what's wrong. He didn't say how can I help you. He just said I'll be right over. And to this day, I don't know how he got in that thing on hotel room. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't know how he got in. It was a dorm. I don't know how he got in that dorm room. I don't know. No. But he led me to Christ. Oh, that's powerful. And the first person I called was Napoleon Kaufman. Napoleon Kaufman was a rookie with us at the Raiders, the L.A. Raiders, one yeah. of the eight that, had moved, that moved back to Oakland with us. Um, Napoleon had went to a seminary in the offseason. I believe it was 95, 96 and 97. And um, 
he had changed his life. Well, I yeah. brought him in as a rookie, so we ran the streets together. So I'm looking okay. at this dude like, you holier than that, you Jimmy Swaggy. And I, 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 I antagonized him this whole time okay. when he was going through in that whole season. I was like, where your Jesus at now? Oh. We four and 12, we sorry. Where your Jesus wow. at? You ain't get a hundred yards, where your Jesus? I was really antagonistic towards him. Um, and I hadn't spoken to him since he, he had left the league. Yeah. You know, he gave money back um, to quit okay. football. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm a preacher. I'm going for the Lord. And I said, man, you a fool. Because he gave back a lot of money. money. <laughs> I would have took the money and been like, yo, Lord wanted me to get the money, then quit. <laughs> nah, he gave it back. And um, and I remember that. So in 99, you know, I had his number in my phone. Didn't know if it was good or anything. I, I am calling him, which is about, two, about 12, 30 his time, you know, uh, on the West Coast. He answered the phone. And I said, man, I want to apologize to you now. He knew it was. And he says, brother, I forgave you a long time ago. He said, I've been praying for this day, Trap. And he sat on the phone and cried with me. Oh, my And goodness. then the next person I called was Chester. Chester McLaughlin. I said, Chester, my best friend, man. Yeah. Uh, I called Chet. He was in New York. He was at the Jets. Okay. Because <laughs> he was like, let's fool him one more year. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, uh, uh, man, I called Chet. And, you know, because Chet gave himself to the Lord in 97. When he left the Raiders, he gave himself to the Lord. And he had always been trying to help convert every player yeah. that he played with me, okay. Wayne, yeah. Ed, Ashley. He was just trying to help convert us, you know. And and, and um, he was like, Julio, because my nickname. He okay. Like, Julio, he says, man, he said, it's going to be tough. He says, but I'm going to be here with you. And he says, man, I'm so thankful for you. You know, and then the last person I called my wife. You know, and I called her because... You know, she had every right to be skeptical. First thing she said, what have you done? Okay. <laughs> you must be in some kind of trouble. That's right. Like, You're in trouble. She was like, I can't believe you're going to go as low as use the Lord. That was her mentality. Oh, As use goodness. the Lord to get out of something. What you done did now? Yeah. You know? And I was like, no, nah, this is real. And uh, she finally came up, you know, for the season. And she watched me for about two months, man. She okay. watched me, made sure. She hit, she pushed buttons. And I'll uh, tell you what, man, it was amazing. You know, it saved my life. It saved my family. You know, it saved my career. Because my last five years playing in the NFL were my best years as an athlete ever. Wow. And I have won. I've won. I've, yes, you, you have. Know, I've been a champion. That's I've right. been all these great things. You know, those were my best years. Because, like I said, previous to that, everything was about me. You know, when I won, it was me. You know, and the one thing I still live to this day is I don't lose, I learn. Okay. You know? And... And it was about me. And when I was out there doing it, if it wasn't so good, I had to fight with myself. Get it right. Get this right. You know, there's always, you know, a lot of anger management within this, within okay. periods of playing and yeah. running and all that. But man, when I when I really decided to give myself to the Lord, now it was about Him. This is an opportunity to play. This is an opportunity to glorify Him. This is an opportunity to show what He's blessed you with. This is an opportunity to let people take 60 minutes of their time uh, of their day, just reflect on the good and the gracious of God. They ain't got to worry about no bills or this and that. They sitting here watching you play and you really playing for him. And man, when I really figured that out, I played and I had fun. Um, you know, I still choke yeah. people out, but I did it in the name of the Lord. You know, I had fun. It's it a violent game, you know? That's it's right. Like, you, man, you, man, you a Christian now. Yes, I am. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, I said, excuse me, but the Lord didn't make no pumps, man. You know, I got to have fun with this. 
And um, you know, I had fun with it, man. I really did. I enjoyed it. You know, I tell guys, you know, I, you know, because you know, I work in the NFL. But man, I tell them, I said, you don't know, no athlete or no person in this world will know the true freedom. Well, unless you're in the Lord, until you know that you're doing it for the Lord. And, and when you do that, now you have true freedom. Now you, you can truly excel at what you're doing. You know, like I was in the latter part of my years, but I was my, I was the best yes. player that I've ever been. And that's why I tell my son, you know, he's playing down at Clemson now. I said, son, have fun. You got your credit. Everybody got them. You got your, 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 your entourage. Yeah. Everybody has them. <laughs> I said, man, but not everybody has the Lord the way they need to have them. And I pray you get him like that. So then you can have fun. You can, you can be free, you know, cause he goes through the critics of his size. You know, when your daddy was small, I didn't grow to our 27 years old. Yeah. Like, yeah, I went from a size 11 to a size 13. You know, I went from wearing a base weight of about, you know, 190 to 205. I, okay. I cannot do nothing. I'm still going to be 205. I even grew an inch, you know, at 27. But and I tell him, I said, man, have fun with it. I said, play for, for, for the Lord, man. And you can't go wrong. Well, and obviously sports has had a huge impact in your life and leading you to becoming a Christian and a believer and all of that. And you shared some unbelievable stories and uh, what I call, you know, wisdom as well. But is there any other words of wisdom oh, you'd like to share I, I with the listeners? You, strong as the vine. I'm going to explain that to you. My grandma used to always say that to me. I don't know if she said it to my other cousins and, and stuff like that. She's always said to me, strong as okay. the vine, strong as the vine. And I never understood it. Okay. Like I said, in 99, when I gave myself completely over to the Lord, I started trying to figure it out. And then I was trying to figure it out so much that, you know, the Lord says in, in, in the book of James says, he who lacks wisdom asks for it. I was like, Lord, give me some wisdom around this thing. What is <laughs> okay. my grandmother was talking about? Because it hit me so hard. And, you know, I always sign off with SATV. People are like, what's SATV? Strong as a vine. You know, you want to know what it is? Then there's going to be a conversation behind it. But strong as a vine, you know, it's John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. It talks about being a vine, being attached to it. Now, when you look at the vine and, and, and fire, it talks about being pruned. You know, so when you look at being pruned, you're like, oh, man, so there's some things that are about you that are not good that he can cut away. But just stay attached to the vine. You know, some things you're going to go through in life. Like, I went through some hurdles. You go through, you know, leaving the lead, the depression, you know, still battling through that stuff now. But you yeah. like, you know, you, you say, strong as a vine, just stay attached. He'll prune that away from you. He'll cut you. He'll clean you up. He'll keep allowing you to grow. People can water you. People can plant it. But you know what? Here's he who gives the increase. So when you think about that, I think about my grandmother's life. You know, I had a good time, chance to reflect on her life okay. and the lives that she touched, you know, because she was a maid. You know, so I look at the life that she has and, and the joy that she brought to people and the joy that she still brings in my heart today when yeah, I think about great. her, you know, rest her soul. But, you yeah. know, just strong as a vine, it helps me remind me of her and it helps me tell my children just stay attached, you know. And, and what does that mean? Okay, it might be a road you might go down, you might find yourself on, don't want to be on, but stay attached to the Lord. Bring me back. Prune that away from me. You know what I'm saying? But just stay attached. Strong as the vine means you got to stay attached to the vine. Because the vine is a tree, you know? And, yeah. and that tree grows. And that tree can grow on anything. It can grow anywhere. Yeah, that's right. You know? Um, and as um, long as you stay attached to the sun, man, he'll prune you. He'll clean you up. He'll get you right. You know? And it helps me. It helps, it helps me in my everyday living. Well, I know those words will help a lot of other people as well. And I'm so thankful that you've been able to share that. And the other question I did have with you, share a little bit more about this process that you're going through in terms of writing a book. 
Oh, well, I've been writing this book for a long time. Okay. <laughs> I need to get a ghostwriter because my attention span is that of a, I guess of a bird, you know, here and there. Um, but it's a book of my life. It's a book of uh, some of my sayings. I have a whole bunch of sayings. And, you know, it's a book about understanding the struggles, um, the victories of the struggle. You're not running from them, but running through them. Okay. You know, and, and you know, that's that's what the, the basis of the book is about. Okay. You know, um, I'm in chapter 17. So, you know, you know, it's, it really is praises. I'm praising the Lord. Okay. Even when I didn't recognize him in my life as a younger person, yeah. you know, to understand how to praise him, you know, now. That's called faith. Praise him before it happened, you know, and, and give thanks. And, you know, that's what it's about. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed that interview and who's with me when I say, wow, just the beauty of that story is hard to refute. You know, here's a guy that God just simply touched with unbridled athletic ability. And, you know, it took James to places that he could have never imagined as a young boy. And, you know, as he described, it was all about him and his mirror. And he didn't care for anyone else but himself. And it wasn't until that late night just staring into another mirror, but this time it was a blank TV screen. And ultimately his life was transformed as he came to know his faith. And you could just hear it in his voice, you know, the joy he had playing after that lonely night in his hotel room. And now he continues to focus on others. And he served as team chaplain back at Clemson University for a number of years and also for the Buffalo Bills. And now even and continues his work in the NFL through player engagement and, you know, just a wonderful story. And that's why I felt we needed to go ahead and release that as this bonus episode. Now, we'll be back again with another episode later this week. And as I mentioned earlier, please stay tuned for some exciting news regarding some giveaways for listeners that leave a review on iTunes. We'll be posting some information on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. So make sure you're following us on all of those. And until then, remember, you can listen Listen, download, and even subscribe on our website, richtakeonsports.com, and focus forward so we don't live in the past. All the best, everyone. You've been listening to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Visit richtakeonsports.com to subscribe and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. You can also follow us on Twitter at Rich Take Sports. Thanks for listening.